This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today. It's likely that we have some watching today for the first time. We want to welcome you, and we want to also express appreciation to those who are watching today, who watch every time we come on the air. Thank you so much for your interest in getting to know your Bible. Now today on our telecast, we want to discuss this topic, man's four homes. Man actually has four homes. We want to talk about those four homes today. Now on our telecast, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. And we have thousands of people in the United States and throughout the world who are studying this Bible correspondence course, and many have already completed it. Some of you have received it. You've not studied it yet. May I encourage you to do that and send it in to be graded. Now today we want to uh, offer it again. And I first of all, let me say it is free. It is free. And we want to pause right now so you can learn more about the course and so you can learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 5, and I'll read through verse 7. Also when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goes to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Wherever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel be broken at the cistern, then shall the dust return unto the earth as it was, and the spirit unto God who gave it. The word home has a very special place in the hearts of men. When you speak of home, that touches the tender cords of the heart. Whether it's the man who is a business executive, man who is a prisoner in a jail somewhere, soldier overseas fighting for his country. When you talk about home, it, it stirs fond memories. Someone said, be it ever so humble, there is no place like home. In reality, man has four homes. For first of all, I'd like to mention that man has a national home. He has a national home. We speak of America as being our homeland, the land of the free and the home of the brave. 
And America is a great nation. It has its weaknesses, it has its faults, it has its uh, 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 things that need to be improved, but still it is the greatest nation there is in all the world. And America is a great nation. It was founded upon faith in God and faith in the Bible. It was George Washington who said, it is impossible to rightly govern the people without God and the Bible. There is our national home. In Genesis, the 50th chapter, Joseph gave instruction about his body, about what was to be done with his body once he died. And he instructed the ch children of Israel in chapter 50, verses 24 and 25, that when they left the land of Egypt, they were to take him back home, bury him in their homeland. You know, we need to think about our homeland today. It is a great nation, and we need to lift up the Word of God in this nation today because it is the Bible that has contributed to the greatness of this nation. Daniel Webster, a great statesman, once said, that so long as we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, we will go on prospering. And I believe that that is exactly right. So long as a nation of people, as we abide by the principles that are taught in the Bible, we will continue to prosper. But he went on. But if we neglect its truths and instruction, no man can tell how suddenly a catastrophe may overwhelm us. And maybe some of the difficulties that we are encountering today in our nation are due to the fact that we have neglected the truths and the instructions of the Bible. In Psalms, the 32nd chapter in verse 12, the psalmist said, Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. And so blessed is the nation that believes in God Blessed is the nation that exalts the word of God. Solomon said in Proverbs, the 14th chapter and verse 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach for any people. Can you imagine our nation without the influence of the Bible? For when, we, when we as a nation or even in our individual lives reject the Bible, then we have no guide for our lives. Without the Bible, we're groping in darkness. You see, the Bible is a light. In Psalms 119, in verse 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Without the Bible, we have no moral compass. And perhaps that explains some of the moral chaos and confusion that exists in our nation today. We have neglected the Word of God. And when you go away from light, you go into darkness. You see, we today need to exalt the Bible. All of us understand what is meant when we talk about 9-11. When you say 9-11, everyone understands you're talking about the day that we were attacked 
at the World Trade Center. And the, the world is, the, America is still under attack today. But actually what we are, we are under attack from within. We have been attacked from without, but we are also attacked from within by those that would undermine this nation by trying to eliminate God and eliminate the Bible from the nation. What's the greatest thing you believe that you could do for America today? And if you do not live in America and you live in another country throughout the world, what's the greatest thing that you can do for your country? I'll tell you the greatest thing that you can do for, for the country in which you live is live right. Just live right. Try to live your life in harmony and in, in accordance with the will of God. You see, righteousness will exalt a nation. And of course in that uh, 119th Psalm and in verse 172 we have a definition of what righteousness is. There the writer says all thy commandments are righteousness. And so when we obey God, when we govern ourselves and guide ourselves by his divine will, then we're going to exalt the nation. So man has his national home. And then we also have a physical home. The home began at the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2. God saw that it was not good for the man to be alone, so God created for him a companion or a helpmeet. And when the woman was presented to the man, the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. God created the home. Thus the home is divine in its origin. And God designed the home to have a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. In 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter, Paul said, uh, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, every wife her own husband. That's God's design. Now men come along and they think they've got a better way of doing things than God. And uh, they think that they know more than God. That they're wiser than God. They're smarter than God. And so they come up with the idea that other arrangements are acceptable and constitute a family, a home. But God's original plan was one man, one woman, and that was to be for life. They were to be joined together until death. You know, our Lord was born into a good home. He had an earthly father and he had a mother. And he often visited in the home of friends of, of his, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But so far as a physical place, when the Lord became of age, he had nowhere to lay his head. But he had a father and a mother. He's born into a good family. Someone has said that your home is the closest place to heaven there is upon this earth. Oh, there are some changes that are going on today, changes of family values today in our nation. 
But the fact that people change these values does not nullify the fact that God designed the family and made the family. You know, we hear people talking about family values. Sometimes we have even people in the political arena who want to talk about family values. And we have them on television, newscasters talking about the family and family values. A value is whatever you deem to be important. And people determine their values in at least one of two ways. And the unbelievers of the world determine their values by self. That is, they determine what's important in their own mind. And that's not a new thing for people to do. We read about people in the Old Testament who did what was right in their own eyes, and people are still doing what is right in their own eyes. But another way that we determine values, and this is the way believers in God determine their values, is by the Bible. Jesus in Matthew 4 and 4 said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So now believers determine what is right, what is wrong. They determine what's important in their life, not within their own heart, but with the word of God. And so that's the reason, of course, that we need to, to emphasize the Bible and study the Bible. And that's the reason we've called this telecast Getting to Know Your Bible, because it's so important for us to know what the Bible teaches on every subject. I, I, but God values the home. God values the home enough that he set it up as an arrangement for man upon this earth. And he designed it. And if there's something wrong with the home, then I need to go to the one who made it. God is the one who created the home. If I want to know something about it, then I need to go to see what God says about it and not what a man says about it, not what some uh, a politician says about it, or some preacher says about it, or some newscaster says about it. Let me find out what did God say about the home, because you see, God is the one who created the home, and he ought to know more about it than anyone else. I read about a church building in somewhere in Iowa where they would have weddings, and... Uh, uh, it was just a place where many people would go to be married. And uh, it, it is said in the little story that I read about this building that once the ceremony would be over, that the minister would invite the young woman who had just pledged her love to her husband to go outside the front door with him and to pull the rope that was attached to a bell in the bell tower and ask her to pull it. And she would pull with all of her might but she couldn't ring the bell. And then he would call the young man outside and ask him to grab the rope along with her, and they would have to pull the bell together in order to make it ring. And it was an unforgettable lesson. We have to pull together in life to make our homes successful and stay together. And unless you're doing that, you're on a road to disaster. And so we have a physical home, a physical home. David said in Psalms 127 in verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So we have a national home. We have a physical home. But man also should have 
a church home. In 1 Timothy 3.15, Paul wrote, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Everyone should have a church home. That is, when they obey the gospel of Christ by believing on Jesus, by repenting of their sins, confessing their faith in Christ, by being baptized into Christ, being added to the church by the Lord, they then should be a member of a local congregation of the Lord's people where they can worship with God's people on the Lord's day, where they can sing, where they can have the word of God taught to them, they can pray together, they can observe the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. And in other words, where they can worship together in a local congregation of the Lord's church. And so you need to have a church home. I, I've known of people who were members of the local congregation, maybe where I've preached, but they never seemed to really be a part. They never became active and involved in what was going on. A person needs to be involved in the affairs of the local church. That is, they need to be working in the church and make a difference in the local church. That's your home congregation we're talking about. Paul in Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse 16 wrote, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, but by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Someone says, Brother Lambert, what in the world does that verse mean? That simply means that every member of the church, every member of the body, ought to do his or her part that help the church to grow, to build it up, and to make it stronger spiritually as well as numerically. And so you have a church home. But now man's fourth home is an eternal home. Solomon said man goes to his long home and the mourners go about the streets. And man indeed has a long home, an eternal home, the home of the soul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1, the apostle wrote, for, for we know that, that if this earthly house of our tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You see, our expected home is heaven. And if you live the Christian life serving God faithfully, as a member of his body, then one day when you leave this world, heaven will be your home. Someone says, Brother Lambert, well, what do you really think about heaven? Well, what do you really think about it? Well, I believe heaven is real. I, it's not what I think about it that really matters. It's what does the Bible teach. You see, I believe that heaven is real, and I know it's real. I realize that uh, we can't see it today, but it's real. 
I believe it's real for, for various reasons. Well, one of the reasons I believe that it's real is because pe people have always had a desire to go there. We, we sing songs sometimes. Uh, there's one especially about heaven, at the, about the place where the soul of man never dies. Well, you see, we have a desire to go to a place like that. To, to go to a place that's uh, described in the Bible as being beautiful and, and wonderful. and we, we have this desire, all people, whether, whether they are savage or whether they are a civilized person, whether they're educated or whether they're uneducated, they have a desire for, for something better than what we have in this old world. Back in the days of the, of the uh, uh, early part of this nation, when uh, people began to get acquainted with the American Indians, they learned that they had a belief in a happy hunting ground. Well, there might be some distortion about his concept of the future life, but it still doesn't nullify his claim that there is a future life. Men have always desired for it. And another reason we can believe that heaven is real is because you're not going to stay here in this world forever. The bare fact that some of us are young, some of us are getting older, is indicative of the truth that we do not stay here forever. And no doubt you know of someone that was close to you that has died. So you see, you don't stay here forever. The old are going to die. The young may die. And so we don't remain in this world forever. In 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, beginning in the 16th verse, Paul said, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. There's an outward man, and what you can see of me right now is my outward man. But I also have an inward man. And someday that inward man is going to leave the outward man, and I'm going to die. Solomon described that in Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, when he said that man is going to his long home. And he said that the, that the, the, the man, the body of man will return to the dust from whence it came, and then the spirit of man will return to God who gave it. There's going to be that separation you see, the body without the spirit is dead, James 2.26. So we're not going to stay here forever. But, but another reason I believe heaven is real is because the justice of God makes it necessary. The question is asked in the 18th chapter of Genesis, Shall not the judge of all of the earth do right? Well, now how would you answer that question? Shall not the judge of all of the earth do right? Well, the answer is yes, he will do right. He will do right in every situation, in every circumstance. God is going to do the right thing. And his justice demands that there be a place called heaven. You see, because God is a just God, he must punish evildoers. And he will. And because he is a just God, he must reward people 
who serve him faithfully. And he will. He will do right. His justice demands that there be a place of reward. Another reason I believe heaven is real is because Jesus said so. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus Christ said, Heaven is real. It is real. And I want to go to heaven. And I want to urge and encourage other people to go to heaven. Friends, if we fail to go to heaven, we've missed the purpose of being in this old world. That This is just where we get ready. This is where we make preparation to go to heaven one day for all eternity. That's why Solomon called it man's long home. It's the eternal home of the soul. To go to heaven, you must have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus said, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven to the seventy on the limited commission. I'd ask, is your name written there? To have your name written in heaven, all you must do is what people did in Bible times to have their names written there. And on the day of Pentecost, when the church began, and when people inquired, What shall we do? What must we do to be saved? The answer they were given was this. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I must say that about 3,000 were baptized that day for the remission of their sins. And I'd urge you to do that, to prepare for heaven, that your name might be written in the Lamb's book of life. I want to urge you to think about these four homes, and especially your eternal home. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are your books balanced? I ask you now, if something were to happen to you today, would you go to heaven? My prayer is that you will. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. Thank you.